Well, praise God, man. I'm glad you're tuned in this morning for the service. We've just to let you know what's going on. The reason why we had to stop service today is just it's not because of the uh, some great crisis or something like that. It's just that there is literally so many people that have either gotten COVID or come in contact with somebody that everybody from praise and worship people to nursery workers to cleaning staff to uh, the sound people, everybody has just uh, has had to be out for some reason for church today. So anyway, we're going online. I'm glad you're here. We won't have any praise and worship. Man, I got a great message this morning. I am inspired this morning, ready to just fly. And so I want you to just get in faith with me. Help me out here because I've got six people here that came to church. And so, uh, you know, I'm looking at the back picture of the rest of them out there. And I'm just believing that there is literally hundreds of y'all out there watching the program this morning. So uh, get with me in faith right now and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today that, Lord God, as we have gathered here today, we've come to just worship you and to praise you. Lord, in the middle of all these troubled times, in the middle of everything that's going on in the world, Lord, we're, we're, we're taking this time to come and to sit ourselves before you. Whether we're in our house, we're in our car, or wherever we be, Lord God, today, that we're just sitting down and just coming to be at your feet. As Jesus, we know big things are about to happen. We know, Lord God, that, that great things are going on. We know, Lord God, that you are doing amazing things in our midst and about to just show up in a big way. And so, Lord, we come today before you. I just pray, Lord God, over every person out there that's fighting sickness in their bodies. I declare, Lord God, everybody that's fighting fever and fighting the, the, the effects of COVID. I just declare right now in Jesus' name, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We curse that virus. You foul devil from the pit of hell. You got no right to be in bodies. We rebuke you. We command that there be healing to go forth into people's lives and just begin to just from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Heal them, Lord God. Lord, I just stop right now and pray for anybody that's in discouragement, anybody that's in despair, anybody today that is just reeling to and fro and thinking, oh my gosh, what's happening? Lord, that they hear the words of this message. They hear the faith coming out and they hear your word going into their heart and it begins to just set them afire, Lord God. Breaks off all those yokes, breaks off all those chains, breaks off all those lies, all of those deceptions in life. And so, Lord, brings them into a place where they can hear your voice, because that's what we need today, is to hear your voice. And so, Lord God, I praise you for it. I thank you for it, Lord. I just praise you that, God, you are in charge. You are in charge. Man's not in charge, but, Lord, you are in charge. And so we give you all the praise for it today. Lord, we thank you for it today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. I'm here today to incite you to faith today. Listen, I'm not at the place right now. I'm inciting you to violence. I'm inciting you to violent faith. I'm inciting you today to get stirred up and to begin to hear the voice of God and begin to see what is going on in the world today. So, you know, I want to tell you something. I want to set before you what I believe is in the future, okay? What, what I see in the future. What I see in the future right now is I see revival. I don't mean just some little little excited bunch of church service. I don't mean just, just uh, uh, you know, uh, a little uptick in, in attendance. I'm talking about full-blown, 
God moving revival on the earth today. I believe that we're in a place that God is about to do major addition and multiplication. And the reason why is because I see the devil. I see him rising up and I see him wanting to do what he does best. Subtraction and division. That's what the devil always does. John 10, 10 says what the thief comes to, what kill, steal and destroy, right? That's his job. The thief's job is to kill, steal and destroy. And we see things going on right now in America today that, man, that literally blows my mind. Listen to me. Let's think about this for a minute. If, if, if they will treat the president of the United States like they're doing, what do you think they're going to treat me and you? If they're going to silence his voice and do everything they can to silence his voice, what do you think they're going to do to us? I, I'm telling you, listen to me. I want, I want the church and everyone listening to me this morning to hear. President Trump is still our president right now. And I do not care what's going on. The man deserves the respect as president of the United States of America. That is, that is, is the most outlandish thing I've ever seen in my life. I can't believe that we have big tech companies that can literally just shut down free speech and just can come in and say, we're not going to let you speak. We're not going to let your voice be heard. Just a few certain individuals. Folks, if this doesn't sound like communism, if this doesn't sound like state-run media, I mean, folks, this is, this is crazy. But let me tell you something. i got some good news for you today. Because I'll be honest with you, I've been a little discouraged. I've been just like trying to figure out what in the world's going on. And I was, I was down in my spirit uh, the early part of the week. And I was just praying, saying, Lord, man, what is going on? It doesn't seem like anything's going right. It doesn't seem like, like nothing that anybody said is going to happen. It doesn't seem like anything's going on. And then we had the, the, proper, the, the, the riot and the... the, the the Capitol building being broken into, and then we find out that a lot of that was Antifa, and a lot of that was just other people and trying to make Trump supporters look bad, and you know. And then again, here's another deception. Here's something going on. Like we're we're like naive country boys sitting around here saying, hey, "We want to do what's right. We don't want to cheat. We want fairly decent elections." And then they're using us and our naivety to get ahead. And it's just like the devil. The devil always does that. But I want to tell you something. The devil's overplayed his hand. I really believe the devil's overplayed his hand. And so I was praying. I was just praying. I said, God, give me a scripture. Give me a word. I got to have something. Come on, Lord. I got to have some of the Holy Ghost nectar from heaven come down and touch my soul because I'm a little discouraged right now. I don't know what to do. And this scripture came, Daniel 2.44. And, and, you know, it just happened to be that in my daily reading, I was just in the book of Daniel. And so I, I, I was reading the story, you know, of, of, it's the story where it's leading up to the fiery, Daniel in the fiery furnace and all this kind of stuff. But in verse 44, it says, And in the days, these kings of God of heaven will set up the kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Now, let me back up for a second. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and so he called all the, the soothsayers and all his wise people around him to come in and said, Hey, look, you... Uh, you, you, you need to, I want you to interpret the dream. And they said, oh, yeah, okay, no problem. We'll interpret it, but tell us what the dream is and we'll give you the interpretation. He said, no, no, no. He said, I'm not going to do that. He says, if you're really a wise person and a prophet or whatever, then you have to tell me what the dream was and interpret it. Well, they're like, who can do that? Nobody can do that. Well, here comes Daniel. 
You see, folks, right now in the world, everybody's saying, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? But God is supernatural. And so here comes Daniel. And Daniel says, well, let me pray about it. And so he goes and says, all right, uh, here's a dream. And he gives him the dream. He tells him about the statue coming in and all that. And that's not the point I'm trying to make. But he tells him about this coming up and kingdoms rising up. It's going to be the, you know, your kingdom, the Greek kingdom, the Roman empire is going to rise up and take over the world. But then he says in verse 44, and these days of the king, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall and it shall and it shall stand forever. In other words, there's a kingdom being set up that's going to come in and smash all kingdoms. And that kingdom is a kingdom of God that stands forever. And the Lord just began to speak to me and say, look, Robert, um, quit looking at what you see. Quit looking at anything else except my word. So then I, I just started delving into the word, started looking at the word, started looking at the word. Matter of fact, I deleted all of my phone apps that had any news feeds on them and just quit looking and just started looking at the word. So Deuteronomy 32, 4 is the next scripture. It says, he is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of truth without injustice, righteousness, and upright is he. So the kingdom of God is a kingdom that's only built on truth and only built on righteousness. So anything that is not truthful, anything that is not righteous is not of God. All right? So obviously you can just stop and you can, if you hear what's going on or look at what's going on in the world today, what's going on and what's taking place, it's unrighteous. There's no truth to it. There's no righteousness to it, the basis. So it's a kingdom that God will destroy. You hear what I'm saying? It's a kingdom that God will destroy because it can't stand. It's not built on righteousness, right? Okay, I got to do something here. I got my own applause here to go in here, you know, so that I got the big crowd listening to my applause. Okay, y'all got that? Okay. Praise God. I got to have some encouragement. So here we go. It says in Galatians 1.3 is the next scripture here. Galatians 1.3. It says, grace to you and peace from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver you from this present evil age. It's interesting because when I first see, when you listen to the news and you listen to doubt and unbelief and you listen to the woes, because see, I'm already hearing people say, well, I guess, you know, it looks like we're going to have a new president. And I guess, the only thing that we'll be able to do is that maybe people will be incited to vote in two years and, and, and maybe that they will, you know, then we can do something about what's going on. And I'm standing up and screaming, saying, absolutely not. If we lost an election, if an election was stolen, if there has been that much done of wickedness taking place, well, then we'll never have a free election. And we've already lost the republic. It's as if it's as if another country came in and took over our country and we stood here and allowed it. That's what it's like, folks. Listen to me. We got to wake up this morning because it is. Would you have? OK, you know, heaven help me. If I get thrown off, I'll get thrown off. We're probably going to be on much longer anyway. But, you know, I mean, if 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 a, if a guy, had, a, a Russian had come up and said, here we've got we've got 
Commandant Kubitsky, and he's in the, now he's the president. We said, what do you mean he wasn't even on the ballot? He said, that doesn't make any difference. We, look, he's, he's the president. We all said, what are you talking about? Get out of here. Hello? But we let that happen. Because we sat around like a bunch of naive little schoolboys thinking that people wouldn't do anything to this extent, but, to, but, but they didn't have that plan because they wanted to take over the country. They wanted to come in here and they wanted to destroy the foundation of this work. What's the foundation of America, folks? The foundation of America is godliness. In God we trust. That's what the foundation of America is. In God we trust. So the enemy, listen, I've told you this. It's not the parties. It's the devil. He wants to shut the voice of the church down. He wants to shut down the gospel going out. He doesn't want to see people get saved because he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And the only way he can do it is it through his wicked ways. Well, it says here in Galatians 1.3, if a person reads it with doubt and unbelief, he could say, who gave himself to be our sins that he might deliver us. Oh, yeah, he might deliver us. He might deliver us. You see what I'm saying? When doubt and unbelief gets sowed in your mind, you start reading the scriptures wrong. He might deliver us, or he might not. That's not what that means. It means he did this work so that he will deliver us from this present evil age. Listen, we have deliverance as Christians. We've been delivered from the present evil age. We've been delivered from the hand of the enemy. So then if you're still in doubt and unbelief, what happens to you, then it comes into your mind and you say, well, pastor, I understand what's going on. And yeah, I know I ultimately have been delivered from, from this evil age. And I know, oh yeah, I know eventually when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But you know, in this world, man, and they've got free will and choices and they can, no, 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 folks, listen to me. God wants America to stand so we'll keep preaching the gospel because we are the voice of God out into the world. The world right now is standing, looking at us and saying, stand, stand, stand and fight because they know what's going to happen when we're, if we're defeated. So he does deliver us. He did deliver us. He always delivers us. It's not he, maybe he will or maybe he won't. But you see the world's out there. Christians are out there right now, not believing that God's going to deliver them. Thinking, well, we're just going to have to live under this oppression. Folks, listen to me. I'm telling you. If the Russians had taken over, I mean, literally took a person and put him in the White House, we would be at war this morning. But yet they did do it. The tech companies and, and whoever stole everything and working behind all of this, that, you know, the, the guy behind the, the, the curtain that have done all of this, they stole it to put somebody in so they could get their way. And folks, that is not right. That is not God's way. Now, Ephesians 1.19 says something. It talks about the greatness of the power of Jesus. Ephesians 1.19. And it says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? Oh, listen. Listen to what he's saying. The moment you start believing, the moment you start walking in faith, the moment you get your faith going, great power is yours. But see, this is where people go. Well, man, the moment you get that little doubt, the moment you start saying, well, or yeah, but uh, that doubt right there steals your faith, man. You're not walking in power. The church is supposed to be walking in power. We're supposed to be commanding armies of darkness to lay down. 
But right now, the church is laying down because saying, well, I guess that, you know, yeah, I guess they stole the election. But, you know, I mean, I guess he's our president and that's what we're just going to do. You know, maybe in two years we can vote. No, folks, listen to me. You have to stand up now in faith and begin to calling forth the things that God wants upon the face of the earth. And what he wants on the face of the earth is his kingdom established and his kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. All right. It says, his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only on this age, but also on that which is to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of who fills all in all. Jesus is in charge. The kingdom that God has established, Jesus has been put in charge of, and it's a kingdom that will not fall, a kingdom that will always stand forever, and we're in that kingdom. But we as Christians have got to rise up. We as Christians have to rise up, and we have to begin to pray like we've never prayed before. Now, I know I've asked you to be praying three times a day and just calling up and, and calling out on the Lord three times a day, but... You know, I know what happens. People get weary. People say, well, nothing's happening. And so we all quit praying. But I'm telling you something, folks, this is the day we need to be praying, not praying in desperation like, oh, God, please do something. But praying because it's our right as Christians to stand up and say, no, God, you're going to do something. You're going to deliver us. You're going to move in a way that you've never seen before. Now, another scripture is John eleven twenty nine. Now, this is the story of Martha and Mary, and I'm just going to tell it to you. But you know, you know, Martha and Mary, you know, Jesus was there. They come and tell him Lazarus is sick. He's about to die. And then Jesus waits a couple of days. And then he shows up. And what the church is being like right now is a Martha. Because, yes, when, when Jesus came to Martha and walked up, the first thing she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So she had faith that he could have healed her brother then. Oh, Yes, if Pence would have stood up and, 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 and stopped the, 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 the count, we could have won. Y'all see what I'm saying? The world's looking at man to bring something about. And what God's trying to bring up on the face of the earth right now is God, not something through man. So we're just like Martha's. We're sitting around saying, oh, Lord, we know you're, 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 you could have done it if you'd have been here, but you, you didn't come. Why didn't you come? Why didn't you do it the way I thought you should have done it? We get into that. All of us get into that. We get into the, God, why aren't you doing it the way I think it should be done? And folks, bottom line is we're not God. And we don't think like God thinks. Now, Jesus said to her, he said, Martha? I'm the resurrection and the life. In other words, I'm the guy that's in charge. You, you, can't, you, can't let, you can't believe that I am the one that, that is going to bring life to everything I touch. See, God had a different plan. Then what does he do? He goes down to the tomb, raises Lazarus from the dead. Nobody thought of that. I wrote these down here. Exodus 14, no one thought that the Red Sea would part. That wasn't a, when, when Moses was backed up in the Red Sea, right? And, and here's, here's Pharaoh's army coming charging. There's an angel out front like a flame of fire, and they're, they're in this little, little impasse, and their Red Sea's behind them, Egyptian army's in front of them. There was nobody in the camp sat around and said, 
Golly, I, I bet God's going to part the water and we're going to walk across on dry ground. Right? Nobody would have come with that. How could you have come? That was out of your thinking. Now, they could have been saying, God, send the angel and kill them all. Uh, the lightning bolt, uh, thunder, a hailstorm, right? Because that's within man's intellect. Man's thinking of it. That's what we're doing right now. We're standing around with man's intellect saying, oh, well, maybe they could file this. And oh, we could just, oh, oh, that judge didn't answer. Oh, this is, oh, oh, oh. But nobody's thinking about parting the Red Sea. How about this one? Daniel chapter three. Nobody thought about walking in the fire. Right. That wasn't an option. Nobody was thinking of that. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego didn't when they're going towards the fiery furnace and think any moment it's going to come a big rain and put it out. That's what what they thought. Right. That's what they they could come up. Any minute God's going to just go and blow it out. They could come up with that. But nobody thought they were going to be thrown into the fire and it not burn them. See, folks, we're in times right now that I'm telling you God's about to do something. And the reason why you don't know what it is is because it's not in your thinking because he's going to do something bigger than you can even imagine. How about I just said it a while ago, John 11. Nobody would have thought Lazarus would have come out of the grave. When they went down there, he's been dead. Even even Mary said, don't roll the rock back, man. He stinks by now. Been dead for four days. You see what I'm saying, church? We're sitting here saying, oh, we've lost America. We're going to have to just put up with this. No, I'm telling you, God, we need to be believing in God to do what God does best, something that we can't think about. That's where we need to be in our faith right now. Hey, if you don't think about this, Matthew chapter 27, hey, nobody thought that Jesus was going to bring about a victory by dying on a cross. None of the disciples walked down the street saying, I'm sorry, Lord, you're hurting so bad, but you're going to have to go to the cross and die. And it's your blood that's going to be sacrificed. You're just like the sacrificial lamb. If you ever go study that day that Jesus being crucified and you go look at the whole thing and and I I can't get into it all today, but they were walking. There were people that had prepared for the Passover walking down the street, holding a spigot that had a lamb on it going to their house with it over their shoulders, all these lambs on crosses walking down the street while Jesus is going there and nobody put it together. They said even the devil didn't put it together because he said if he didn't know what was going on, he wouldn't have crucified him. So my point is, is that we try to figure it out and you get weary trying to figure it out because you can't figure out what God's going to do because God's going to do what God's going to do. Our job is to believe and have faith in him. He's going to do it. That's our job. Okay. Now, God's always going to prevail. But let me show you this about God and his kingdom. God's always going to prevail. But God's going to prevail in such a way that he gets the glory. Not man. Okay, not man. I believe with all of my heart that God is using President Trump. But at the end of it, God's going to get the glory, not President Trump. Judges chapter seven, the story of Gideon. All right. If you know the story, you know, if you don't go read over Judges seven, but Gideon's out there. He's he's raised up an army. He's got 10,000 people in his army. And God says, ah, you got too many people. He's about to go against the Midianites, and they're more than, like the camels, it says more than the camels could cover the sand. And so he says, hey, you got too many. 
And God whittled his army down to 300 people. And then their battle strategy was <laughs> take a torch, stick it in a, a pot, go up on the side of the hill, everybody shout as loud as you can and throw the pot down. I mean, come on. That don't sound like much of a battle plan to me. But the point was God did it supernaturally. How about this one? Second Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat. He says, oh, Jehoshaphat, we're going to go out against the army. Get your armies out there, but put all the praise and worship people out front. Let them go out and singing. Now, I'm sure that day the praise and worship people thought, I don't like this. This don't seem like too good of a plan for me. I don't really want to be at the front. What do you mean? You're going to put us out here and then the army's behind us? This doesn't sound good, but they did what they were told. They go down there singing and praising, but what they didn't know was the angel of the Lord had already gone before them and set ambushes up and destroyed the enemy before they ever got there. See, church, what I'm trying to tell you today is you can't figure on what God's going to do. Our job is to be believing that he's going to do it, and we can't keep looking at man and the plans and schemes of man to bring things about because you're going to get discouraged. Another one, 2 Kings 7, what about the four lepers sitting outside the gate that got up and said, look, we're going to die here, so let's go on down to the Syrian camp. If nothing else, they'll kill us, and we'll get out of this suffering, and then they might feed us, and we get something to eat. Now, that was their thinking, which was rational. They go down there, but they didn't know God was going to make their feet sound like an army, and the Syrian army is going to run off, and they were going to have this great victory and become prosperous that day and get victorious. Their hope was either I get my belly full or they kill me. That's all it was. That's all they were believing for. But God said, no, I want to do exceedingly abundant beyond you can even think or ask. I want to prosper you more than you've ever prospered. I'm going to put wealth on you. I'm going to make you so wealthy. Those guys never worked another day in their life. They were prosperous. God blessed them. The whole city and the family was broken. And then not only did they become prosperous, but they delivered a whole city, four lepers. How about 2 Kings 19? Hezekiah looking over the wall at all the Assyrians out there. And he's looking at them saying, oh my gosh, you're not going to, there's no way we can defeat these armies. They shut the city up, know what's going to happen. They're just going to lay siege to them, stay there for a couple of months until they starve the city out, and then take it over. That's what they'd been doing everywhere. They knew that's what was going to happen. But an angel of the Lord says, went out and I killed 185 Assyrians in one night. Who could have figured that? How about New Testament times? I, I just thought of this one, and, and it's Acts 6, 7, somewhere along in there, where Herod gets up and begins, to prof and begins to speak, and the crowd says, he's a god, he's a god, and then boom, he dies and is eaten by worms right there. All I'm saying is when God does something, he wants the glory for it, not that man's plans did so good that they brought the victory about. And we've got to be encouraged in these days, and we've got to be praying in these days, and we've got to be standing and believing, and we have to keep ourselves in the place of righteousness. All right? So this takes me back to last week's message. We have to stand in righteousness. Listen to me. Do not give in to the push and the shove of the enemy. The title of this message today is Never Give In, because I'm telling you, folks, you can never give in. You give in, and the devil's going to have victory over you. If you give in and start trying to figure it out, the devil is going to have victory over you. You cannot give in. You have to stand and fight. You have to keep declaring, well, well, 
You, you can't let somebody talk and say, well, you know, this is just the way it is. And we had to, no, 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 no. There's overwhelming evidence that our elections were stolen. Overwhelming. There's no doubt in it. No matter how you twist it, no matter how you turn it, there is no doubt about it. The republic is lost if we let it go from here. God has to move. I'm telling you, God has to move. And we have to be set like Flint. Our hearts set like Flint, believing God and trusting him and saying, God, you're our source. We believe in you. We will not back off because I'm telling you what, a flood is coming to try to make you back off. A flood is coming to try to make you be quiet because you've got to understand something. What the devil wants to do is he wants to totally and completely rewrite everything that we have in America. Christianity's out because there's no place for Christianity. You say, well, I don't know if I'm going to quit being a naive country boy. Wake up and realize what's going on on the face of the earth. They want to silence your voice so that there is no gospel being heralded. And that is the devil. Plain and simple. It is not liberal opinion. It is not just being a progressive. It is demonic. It's demonic in nature. And never have you seen such a demonic force on the face of the earth as you do right now. Our hearts have to be set. Our hearts have to be set like Flint, trusting in Jesus and believing in him. Oh, I love what Dwayne said, and I've added some to it. You don't get to have an opinion. And I added this to you. Don't get to vote on God's word. It'll always prevail. Okay? You don't get to have an opinion. This is my opinion. I am a, I am a servant of the Most High God. This is my opinion. Given to me by God, this is his word, and there is no other alternative. There is no other way. He is, a, he is real. I'm not going to alter it. I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to, 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 to misdirect it. I'm not going to not look at it. I'm not going to just say, well, let's just don't talk about that. Let's just have peace and, and let's not talk. No, if it's in the word and, the, and he says don't do it, you shouldn't do it. End of story. So that's why I said before the church that we need to be reading our Bible more than we ever have before. I said to you that you need to read a chapter or five chapters a week. So we sh you should have read Matthew 1 through 5, and this week it's 6 through 11. Or, yeah, 6 through 11 would be the chapters this week. And you need to be reading it. You need to be in your word because the word is going to speak to you. God's going to speak to you in this word, and you've got to listen to this news, not that news. You've got to listen to what the word of God says. You're not going to have faith to walk. You're going to be in doubt and unbelief. All right? The second thing is you've got to do is we all have to wake up. I've been saying this. We have to wake up. 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 We have to realize what's going on. And let me just tell you something that really blesses my heart. The Lord, the Lord spoke this to me again this morning. And I got to thinking about the book of Esther and about old Haman. And about Haman just, man, he was so mad he just hated Mordecai. He just hated that Jew. And he wanted him gone. And so then he gets it all prepared. He builds this great big old gallows and he's going to hang him. And then you know the story what happens. He ends up having to take Mordecai on the mule through town looking good and all the applause for him. And they take Haman down there and hang him on his own gallows. I believe that what's happening right now, we're about to see some people hung on their own gallows. I believe the devil has overplayed his hand. I believe he's gone too far. You cannot just take our First Amendment of the Constitution and throw it away because you want to silence what people are saying. The only ones that are saying a conservative 
voice. Do you understand that? Do you, listen to me. This sounds horrible, and I just got to say it. My wife would be cringing, but she's not here. You can go on and say any vile thing you want to about homosexuality, about, about I'm talking about for it, and it'll stay on there. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can go talk anything you want to about, about whatever, killing babies and abortions and free choice and all this kind of stuff. You can talk all you want to on the, about that, but do not talk about Christianity. Do not talk about they're not right. It's obvious. Haman's about to be hung on his own gallows. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know what, how he's going to make this work out. But all I know is Jesus said in Matthew 9, 12, he says, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And I'm going to tell you something, there's some sick people in the world today. There's some sick things going on. And so then, obviously, they need a physician. So why did I say revival is going to be the thing that's going to come about right now? Is because, folks, sick people need to be healed. And I believe we're about to see the greatest revival of people being saved and healed and miracles taking place and victory going on. If we, the church, don't sit around and just let them take it over and just start agreeing with it and saying, well, I guess this is just the thing we're going to do. We'll just have to quietly pray at home about it. No. It's time, man, for the tent meetings. It's time for, the, for everyone to be vocal and say, look, America, if, if these people are trying to lead us to hell, and we're not going. It's time for us to wake up, though. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. I believe we're going to see healings all around us. I believe we're going to see miracles all around us. I believe we're going to see salvations taking place. I believe God is about to part the Red Sea. That's what I believe. That's what I'm trying to encourage you. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm inciting you today to faith. And I'm telling you, do not give in. The third thing we got to do is we have to keep the course. All right? We got to keep going. Folks, so many of you that are out there listening to me, so many of you. I mean, I've been, I've been preaching up here for 28 years. It's not like I just started yesterday. And I, for 28 years, have been pounding and pounding for you to read your Bible and know the Word of God and to go forth and, and to believe God and to do whatever. And, 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 and it's up to us, okay? It's up to us to keep the course. I can't, I can't be out there and hold everybody's hand. You have to be out the person who rises up in your family, in your home, in your neighborhood. You have to be the one that rises up and say, no. We need to invite some people over for a Bible study. We need to get people over and watch, let them watch the water hole program. We need to get people stirred up. We need to start talking. Look, oh, so-and-so over there is discouraged. We need to go encourage them. We need to have a good word. That's when miracles start taking place. They don't take place when you're, everybody's healthy. Jesus said, that if there's nobody sick, you don't need a physician. Well, there's a lot of sick people. They're hurting. People right now are scared. People are scared of COVID, scared of what's going on. But I can tell you, I know a testimony right now of a man, 85 years old, didn't even know he had it, but he loves Jesus. You see what I'm saying? It's, maybe it's not as fearful as you think. Yes, I know there's some bad cases. Yes, I know people have died. But I want to tell you, the majority of everybody is walking through it. So I'm here to tell you, again, maybe we got some misinformation. We got to know what the truth is. We got to know what the word says. We got to know what the word says, okay? So we got to be strong. We have to keep the course. We have to keep going on with the Lord. All right. The next thing is 
is, and, and I told y'all last week about that old doe out in the deer blind snorting and everything. And I want to tell you something. We've got to be sounding the alarm. Listen to me. We've got it. When you find a person who says, uh, you know, well, we've got to, you know, we're just going to wait in two years. Maybe we can do something. You got to grab them and say, no, 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 listen to me. It's now. The fight's now. You need to get on your knees and fight on your knees. That's how we're going to fight. Because people keep telling me, say, well, what are we going to do? I don't know what to do. Pray. And believe in the God of miracles is going to move. Okay. So, um, you know, Joshua 23, 10 says that one of us, one of us can put a thousand to flight. One. And we're a lot more than one, all right? We are a lot more than one. Now, I want to get down to the last part because I didn't finish last week, and, and I don't want to review anymore, but just, just this next one is this, that we have to realize that God is on our side, and this is how he operates. You see, <clears throat> I, I'll be honest with you folks, me included. I would rather just, you know, have fire shoot out of my fingers and just... You know, I would rather just have the, the magic anointing oil and just throw it uh, and everybody was healed. And I would rather see, you know, I can come up with some ways that I would like to see things happen. Right. But we have to realize that this is how God operates. And what we've got to do is get in agreement with him. Quit trying to get him to get in agreement with us. We've got to get in agreement with him. And how he operates. Well, you're not going to know how he operates unless you spent time reading the word and you know God. I mean, that's the bottom line. Psalms 121.1 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. It does your help come from the Lord. Is God the one giving you wisdom? Is God the one speaking to you? Is God the one giving you faith for the direction of what's going on in your life? If he's not, if you're, if, man, if you're trying to get your direction from CNN, folks, you're doomed. I mean, that's the truth, Right. If you're trying to get your, your, your I mean, you used to, we used to say, well, Fox News is a good conservative you know, channel. They're, gonna, they're, they're sold out. You're not going to get God's direction from any news source. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. You're going to have to get your direction from the Word of God and your faith in knowing who God is and what He'll do for you. So my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He's not going to allow my foot to be moved. You say, well, the, the, the earth's shaking everywhere. It doesn't make any difference. Folks, listen to me. Right now, if I, if I died, I'm going to step right into eternity. Okay? It's just stepped into eternity. You say, well, how do you know that? I know what the Bible says. I know what the Word says. That's where my faith is. I know I'm saved. I know I know Jesus. We've got to move that from our faith in that realm into the faith in the realms of the things that are going on around us. See, right now it's like, well, let's pray for somebody that's sick, and, you're, and, and the person praying is thinking, oh, God, I hope you do something right now. because I'm that, That's not faith. It's not faith. And the reason why we don't have the faith for that is because we've not walked in it. Okay? But I believe when God moves, you know, I just wish he'd just pull the heavens back and go, boo! That'd make them wake up. All right. But until that time, we've got to stir our faith. We have got to keep ourselves going. We've got to make sure that he who keeps us, knowing he won't go to sleep. He's not going to slumber asleep. The Lord's my keeper. The Lord's the shade at my right hand. Sun shall not strike me by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve me 
from all evil. If he said he's going to preserve me from all evil, then what evil could it not preserve me from? Right? If he's going to preserve me from all evil, that means all evil. All means all. Okay, the seventh thing is, we have to understand, because what's being turned on Christians right now is it's being turned on Christians that we're not walking in love. That they're the more tolerant ones because they're loving everybody and they're, they're, they want everybody and they're accepting of everybody and all faiths and all lifestyles and all customs. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible says, Proverbs 13, 24, that he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Love means saying that's the wrong direction. That's truly love. Love standing up in front of somebody doing something wrong and saying, stop doing that. It's going to bring hurt to you. You take your child, you say, don't put your finger in the light socket. You're going to get shocked. Don't touch that. It's hot. Right? But right now what the world wants to do is have nobody tell them to stop doing anything. They want it to be no rules, and they think that's going to be happiness. But we know it won't. We know it won't. We know that the more sin you walk in, the more it's going to hurt you. That's what this whole book's about. It's about love. It's all about God saying, don't do this because it's going to hurt you. Don't do that because it's going to hurt you. Don't do this because it's going to hurt you. you say, but I want to do it. It feels good to my flesh. I want to do that. But the end result will be your demise. So isn't it love to stand up and say, that's the wrong direction. Don't go there. That's true love. True love is trying to help somebody stay out of the fire, stay out of the pit. So don't let that get turned around on you. As Christians, we walk in love. We love everybody. We love the person, even the most vile, evil person. We know God wants them saved. They want, he wants them to come to know him. And that's the only thing that's going to bring them any victory, bring them any joy. Okay, number eight, or wherever I'm at on my numbering here. And this one sounds harsh, but you just got to understand this. It says in Proverbs 26, 2, like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, a curse without a cause shall not alight. So in other words, a curse doesn't alight on anything that it doesn't have a place to light. Right? Now, it's scripture here goes along with this 1 Corinthians 16, 22. And it says, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. It's Paul's right, last verses he's given to the, uh, the church at Corinth. And that word is anathema. And that word means a thing devoted to God without hope of being redeemed. Like if it was an animal to be slain a person or a thing doomed to destruction, a curse, a man a curse, devoted to the direst of woes. I'm going to tell you this again just straight up, all right? There are things going on in the world today that is wickedness beyond that I could ever have imagined. When I was a heathen and did not know Jesus, these thoughts did not cross my mind. There is wickedness going on. Everything from uh, human trafficking to child pedophilia to things that are so deep and involved in a lot of the garbage that's going on in the world today, 
I'll be honest with you, I cannot deal with it. I can't, I, I, I can't, my mind can't process it. And all I can do is just say, be accursed. God, you're going to take care of it. I, 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 I have a way I'd take care of it, but I don't think that's the righteous way. And, and it's just anathema, Lord, it's accursed, and you have to deal with it. And listen to me, he will. He will. And so you got to understand, don't get caught up in anger. Don't get yourself all where you're just cursing and hurting and just, just, just hurting on the inside and, and fighting this issue. No, get to the place where you say, Lord, I just count that as an accursed thing. And I'm turning it over to you and you take care of it, Lord. And I'm going to walk in love. Save them if they can be saved. If not, now the next one is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 1, 9. It says, Paul's speaking, and he says, Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. He says we're in such a bad place that literally we're calling it, he's calling it the sentence of death upon us. In other words, he's like, I'm going to the gallows. I see no way out. We couldn't even trust in ourselves. And so in other words, it looked so like he was going to die. He couldn't even trust his own judgment. So what did he say? We couldn't trust in ourselves, but in God. He's like, things are so bad. I can't trust in myself. What I'm going to do is going to be the right thing. I don't even know what to do, Lord, but I'm just trusting in you. You are the God, listen to me, who raises the dead. So he's like, if I die, I'm going to go to heaven, so I'm not worried. But he says, but you who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he shall still deliver us. In other words, he's the God who delivered me in the past, so he's the God who's going to deliver me today, and so he's the God that's going to deliver me in the future. 35 years ago, I walked in a barn to blow my brains out because I thought there was no hope and there was no way out. And I met Jesus Christ, and he saved my life, and he saved my family, and he set us on a different course, and he put us on a, on a course to run with him and to learn the Word of God and to walk in the Word of God. I never a day in my life ever wanted to be a preacher. I never a day in my life ever thought this would, would be my life. But I want to tell you something. I am so glad that he changed my life. But if he delivered me from that sentence of death back then in the past, he will deliver me today, no matter what amasses, no matter what comes to me, no matter what happens, no matter where, a thousand will fall off my side, 10,000 in my right hand, and it shall not come nigh me because my God delivered me then. He's going to deliver me today, and he's going to deliver me in the future. This is where our hope has to be, church. This is where our faith has to be. We have to be rooted so strongly in who our God is and what he's done for us that there is no way we're going to get distracted right now. There was a, a priest by the name of Father Damien who felt God called him to go to the, to the leper colony in Hawaii back in the uh, 40s and 50s, I believe. And so he went there to preach the gospel knowing that he could get leprosy. And... Uh, Every day he would say, you know, he would stand up and he would preach to them and trying to help those people get comforted because everybody shunned them. Nobody wanted to get around it. Kind of like today, if you cough. If you have cedar fever, everybody runs for the hills thinking that you've got the Rona. But anyway, he went there to the island and he began to preach and he preached for years and he'd go up every day and he'd get up on the, 
in, in the end of the church, and he would greet the church and said, I'm glad to be here with you today, and, and he would preach. And then one day, after years of being there, he saw miracles, he saw them feeling loved, he saw God moving in the, in the colony, and he saw all kinds of great things happening. And then all of a sudden, one day, he uh, spilled some hot water, and he noticed that when it fell on his foot, he didn't feel it. And he realized that he had contacted leprosy. And so that day when he got up to the church to preach, he told the church, he said, I'm here today with you truly as a brother in Christ. Because he knew that he was going to die on that island as a leper. But he did something knowing that it was, could bring his end, but yet he didn't care because he knew it was what God wanted to do. And folks, we've got to get to that resolve in our life that if something looks a little uncomfortable, we don't want to do it because, you know, uh, that may make us feel odd or whatever. Folks, listen to me. If God's calling you to do something, you better be doing it. And you better quit worrying about what your friends are going to think about, you, you know, you're, you're some sort of religious freak or, or whatever. I want to tell you something. You better start sounding the alarm. You better start speaking to your friends. You better start telling all those around you that God is real and God's about to pull the, the cover back and he's about to reveal himself to this world and they better get ready. And no matter what it costs, no matter what, what it costs us in this world. I, you know, I have never counted the cost. I understand when Paul says that he didn't count the cost. I understand because I've never thought twice about serving the Lord. I, I've never thought, oh gosh, I wish I'd have just stayed as a rancher and just been a cowboy all my life and just done that. It's never been a thought to me because I'm just so happy to serve Jesus. I'm just so in love with him and reading his word. It's real. I don't want any other life. I, I can't imagine any other life than this. I can't imagine raising my family any other way. I can't imagine, you know, any way else for my grandchildren to know Jesus and to walk with them. I love it. It's the greatest thing on the face of the earth. So, brings me to the next scripture. Psalms 125, verse 1. Psalms 125, 1. When you step over and begin to trust the Lord, something happens. When you step over and you're fully committed to him, something begins to happen to you. Okay, Psalms 125, 1 says, those who trust in the Lord, they're like Mount Zion. In other words, this big impenetrable forces of this kingdom that can never be moved. Now, you may say, well, pastor, that's, that's really good preaching for a Sunday morning, but, you know, I'm, I'm going through a hard time right now, and I'm feeling some blows. Yeah, but you're still kicking. You still got breath in your lungs. Quit, quit being a Martha. God bless you. You can't throw anything at me. No, you may have thrown it at the TV, but listen, you quit being a Martha. Quit trying to tell God what to do and start asking him what he wants you to do. And then you become like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever as the mountain surrounds Jerusalem. So the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. That's what we need right now. Oh, God, surround your people. Surround the Christians. Bring the Christian camp in. Let us stand up in front and say, no more. No more. We've had enough. From this time forth, for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. Do you hear that? The scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. America has been allotted to the righteous, 
and the scepter of wickedness is not going to reign in this land. I do not care what, what, what you think and what you think is how it's got to work out. I, I know that it looks like there's going to be a new president come up on the 20th, but I say no. I say God's going to do something. I say we pray. I say we stand. I say we, 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 we stand in righteousness. We stand against what's going on, and we keep screaming until we see the day God's moving. It says, at least the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Now, I want to, I want to just elaborate on that just for a minute. Because I know what a whole bunch of people are wanting to do. There's a whole bunch of people out here, and we're tired, and we're fed up with it. And it says, if you read that verse again, it says, For the scepter of, of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, least the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. In other words, did you see in the, when the protest for President Trump and the protest of what was going on with the election results was taking place, in Washington, and then someone came and incited, Antifa came in there, and they in, tried to incite the people to violence. Listen to me. The day that I have to become aggressive, that day I'm going to move because God has told me to move, not because I see no other option, because God is always the best option. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't be sitting there thinking, we just need to go to civil war, and that's going to be the answer. No, what the answer is, is God moving. That's the answer. And we need to pray, and God sees your heart and sees that the righteous are, are, are groaning because of the unrighteousness going on. But it's not time yet for us to be incited to that place. Okay, he says, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and those who are upright in their hearts. For as such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity, and peace will be on Israel. I just tell you, church, right now, God is going to do something supernatural, and you're going to see it happen. You've just got to keep our faith going, and we've got to keep walking forward. Which brings me to one of the last points here. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, something you ought to have memorized. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, in your, that your labor for the Lord's not in vain. Now listen to me. Steadfastness is a fruit of the Spirit. You hear what I'm saying? In other words, you're already, it's already in you. Steadfastness is in you by the Spirit to keep standing in the face of adversity. It's what we Christians do. We stand in the face of adversity, not turning. Saying, God, you're going to do it. You're going to move. God, I'm trusting in you. You're going, we're going to go forward. We're, trust, we're going with you. We're trusting in you. My faith is in you. I will not be deterred. We start being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And everybody says, you're crazy. You're not. No, no. A thousand to fall up my side, 10,000 right hand. You just keep going. you got to do what God's telling you to do, which what he's telling us to do right now is stand, pray, and tell others. Now, this is my last scripture, but it's an important one. Matthew 24. 45. Matthew 24, 45. Uh, you know, this is kind of nice. I don't have to worry about time. 
We're still early, even though I've been almost preaching for an hour. Don't worry about anybody getting up. Y'all may have turned me off, but you can always pause me. Go get you a snack. Come back. Last scripture here, Matthew 24, 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Surely I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, well, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants, to eat and to drink and to be a drunkard, the master of that servant will come on that day when he's not looking for him at an hour when he's not aware of, and he'll cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think sometimes we forget that when we sign the contract with Jesus by asking him to be the Lord and Savior of our life, we forget that on the bottom line, down there it said, you're his servant. You gave him your life in exchange for eternal life. And sometimes we forget, we think that we're, we're entitled. That's a big word. Everybody's going, oh, they're just entitled. They just feel like they're, they're just entitled. Well, sometimes we as Christians get to feel like, you know, man, I, the Lord owes me one. Let me tell you something. What You signed a contract with him and you gave your life to Christ and he gave you eternal life and forgave you of your sins. Right now is not a time to back off. Right now is not a time to become a wimpy Christian. Right now is a time to become a radical Christian. Right now is a time to stand steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because if I've ever had a time in life that I believe I see Jesus is about to just come back, well, then it's now. If there was ever a time that he's about to knock on the door and say it's time to go home, it's now. But listen to me. Listen to me, church. Until that time comes, it's our job to get as many people into heaven as possible, to rescue as many orphans as we can, to preach the gospel around this world, to, to declare his goodness to everybody we know. That's our job right now. And so I am asking you to wake up. I'm asking you today to be steadfast. I'm asking you today to feel, see the seriousness that's going on right now and do not give in and yield to what is trying to come upon the face of the earth. Don't get in agreement with it. Do not get in agreement with it. I'm telling you, as of this moment right now, our president is still President Trump. And right now, God is still poised to move. And you cannot change that. Right now, we know that there's wickedness come upon the United States. And we know that we have to stand and be believing God to see it changed. So your prayers need to increase. Your Bible reading needs to increase. And your evangelism needs to increase. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what I want to ask you to do today is I want to ask you to commit it to the Lord. Take the message I'm saying today and tell it to as many people as you possibly can. To as many people as you possibly can. You know what's funny is when you... When you're doing anything on the internet, you know, you're always looking to see how many subscribers you got, you know, and you see somebody sends out a goofy video of a, you know, monkey case, chasing a cat around or a cat riding a monkey or something, you know, and, and that thing gets 10,000 hits and they get 10,000 subscribers. 
But do you know in the day when the gospel, when, when all of it took place and after the resurrection that the disciples went out and began to preach and that it, it's shown that literally Paul said, we've just almost got the gospel preached to the whole world, the whole known world at that time. In other words, people went out one by one and began to speak. They had no internet. They had no megaphones. They had no, no sound systems. They had no recorders. They had no nothing but people that had been touched by the power of God themselves, by relationship with Jesus, went out and began to speak. They may shut us down on the internet, but we still have our voices. We've got to speak. And it's got to be to where we have to go out and we begin to continue to sound out over and over and over and over and over again. If you're out there today and you're watching, maybe you just tuned in for the very first time and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're thinking what is going on in the world and you just happen to come across a broadcast. Listen to me. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ right now. Jesus is the Son of God. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good man. He is the Son of God who died on a cross for your sins. He was dead and he came back to life in the resurrection on the third day. He has the power to forgive you, to heal you, and to take all the mess of your life and to get it going in the right direction and to give you eternal life. But you have to do something. You have to confess your heart to him and you have to give him your life. And it's real simple. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. Come into my life. Come into my heart right now. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me whole. And he will. You pray a heartfelt prayer to the Lord. He'll hear it, and he'll come into your life. So I want to pray for everybody out there. All of you that are listening, that are watching, I want, and you that are here, I just want to tell you something. I want to encourage you today. Stand strong. I want to pray over your finances. I want to pray over your life. I want to pray over your health. I want to pray over everything that's going on. But get in faith with me right now. So, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that these words go forth today around the world. That, Lord, people hear it and are encouraged. People stand strong and that they, today they find a, a knowing of what to do. Where there's been despair, it's gone in Jesus' name. Where there's been fear, it's gone in Jesus' name. Where there's sickness in homes, Lord God, sickness in household, Lord, I pray over it right now and I say, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Healing coming to you right now. Healing heal tumors, heal cancer, diabetes. Whatever's going on in those homes, Lord God, touch it and heal it. Let the healing power of God go forth in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that all of us as Christians are like this, this person here that you told us in Matthew 24, that Lord God, that we're waiting for you. We're vigilant in doing your work. We're vigilant in reaching people. We're vigilant in being evangelists. We're going out and we're telling everyone we can and we're speaking into the world everywhere we go. And Lord, give us a loud voice. Give us a voice that reaches millions for you. And Lord, we stand here today and we declare that, oh God, greater you, and that you arise on the face of America and your enemies are scattered. That Lord, you, you rise up in the midst of it and you move like, we've, like, like, like you've done before. Lord, like we've done before. And that we see your hands so sovereignly upon this nation. Lord, I thank you that wickedness, no wicked scepter is going to rest on this land that has been allotted to the righteous. And I thank you, Lord God, that you come and you move 
sovereignly and divinely, Lord. And Lord, bless their finances, bless their giving, bless everything that, Lord, that, that their businesses. And I thank you for your hand upon it all, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.